Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message. But before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together. All right, so we're going to dive into a series um, called God's Family Plan. God's Family Plan. And uh, I feel it necessary to speak um, in our culture, to the culture, that uh, God's not moved by our culture. <laughs> his, his word is true and it's stable and secure, and uh, he wrote it with, with every generation in mind. And he doesn't need to update or recreate. He, he nailed it the first time. He got it right. Amen. And uh, if we'll just do things God's way, then things will be better for us. It'll turn out right, right. And we'll be able to rely on him for help because we're doing it his way. And that includes uh, how we, how we um, live our lives with our spouses, how we're married, how we raise kids and grandkids, and, and how we demonstrate that family life to the world. And so we're just going to cover some biblical values of what it looks like uh, to have God's family plan in our life. Are, are we okay with that? So before we, before we get into the nitty-gritty of that, I want, to, um, I want to just go a little bit of a direction in creating a, a, a little bit more of a backbone for us to stand up for what's right. And so it, it all feeds right into um, going into God's plan for the family. But turn with me to Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to see a couple things through Scripture that will help us to identify uh, where we're at in our culture and that uh, we need to be ready, willing, and able to stand up for what's right. So Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. This is a picture right here of us not uh, being directed by people that are scornful, mockers, haters of what is good. This is a picture of us, God saying, blessed is the man or woman that stands not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor in the path of sinners, nor in the seat of the scornful. But our delight comes from the Lord in his book, in his word, in night. And, and then in verse three, it says, we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. And the ungodly are not like this. They're not so. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. The chaff is the husk of the wheat, right? When they separate the husk from the wheat, they toss that up in the air and the, and the chaff blows away. The ungodly are like that chaff, which blows away in the wind. Verse 5, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God's given us a blueprint and, a, and, a, and an opportunity to hear him and not the world. The world talks loud. Have you figured that out? There are messages everywhere, streaming all the time, trying to get us to conform our way of thinking, to let just a little bit slip, a little bit at a time, until we don't even recognize who we are or what we've been before. And that's the world's plan. That's actually the plan of the enemy, is to get us, even believers, even those that love Jesus, to think more like the world and less like God. But if we're mindful of it, and we'll put his word first, his ways first, the Bible says we'll be blessed and be planted like a tree right by a river of water. 
Amen. It's good for trees to be planted near water sources. Did you, did you know that? Right. That even when it, there's drought, if there's a river, that tree is going to produce. Right. And its leaf won't wither. And it'll produce fruit in its season, in season and out of season. Why? Because it's right by the source. And that's what God's telling us. If we'll stay close to the source, we'll produce good fruit in our lives. And we need that. Amen? Romans 12, 2, familiar passage for us here at Westside. says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. If we're going to prove that before the Lord, we've got to be transformed by renewing our mind and not conformed to the world. So the reason why I'm saying this this morning is that we've got to recognize areas in our life where we have been conforming to the world, where we've let little things go, maybe even big things, where we're letting things slide in our own lives and not standing up for what is truth, what is right. The world needs a people of God that will say what is right and what is wrong, that will stand for truth. Because there isn't your truth and your truth and your truth and my truth. There's only one truth. And, there's, and it's absolute. God wrote it down for us just in case we got confused. There's only one truth. And if we'll align with his truth, then we're walking in truth. Amen? Amen. Everything else is just a fabrication. Thank you, Lord. The world does not like different than them. They preach tolerance and conformity and inclusion as long as you believe just like them. We will include you in all of our groups as long as you don't believe that Bible stuff. You see how backwards this is? So you're never going to win that battle. You're never going to find full inclusion unless you completely go away from the things of God. I don't recommend it. Bad idea. Let's stay with God. Amen? I don't know if you've read the back of the book, but, but he wins everything. The whole kit and caboodle. He finishes it. And it's, it's all on God's side. Amen? So I, I like being on the winning side. Don't you? Yeah. It's, it's way better. I mean, he's running the score up on the devil like nobody's ever seen. So if we're going to be on the winning side, we want to stay with God. Amen? And that means we're going to have to do things his way and be okay with being labeled things, being labeled different. We have to be okay with that. It's okay. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Matthew 7, verse 13. Jesus said this, Enter by the narrow gates. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by that, by that gate. Because narrow is the gate and difficult or confined is the way in which leads to life. And there are few that find it. We are, we are a people that should be swimming against the flow, against the stream. And grabbing as many people as we can as they march in the broad gate of destruction, right? Like, hey, this ain't the way. This doesn't lead to good places. Come on. I, I know the way. This is better. Come on. Come on. Come on. Because it's narrow. It's, it's a, the reason why Jesus used that confined or difficult way is because when you go against the flow of the world, it is challenging. It's way easier on your flesh and on, on your personality to just, just go with the flow. It's way easier. But when we, go, when we go with God, his direction, there's some obstructions in the way. There'll be opposition. There'll be dare I say it, persecution from the world, from people, even in your family that don't believe you're following the right path. We got to be okay with this. We got to come to a place where we're like, I am okay with following God and being against the flow. I'm okay with opposition. I'm okay with name calling. I'm okay with being the difficult one, but I will follow God no matter what. We have to be okay with that. 
And there's something about understanding who you are and who you serve that gives you some fortitude to stand up for what is right. The world needs to hear truth. And I don't mean being rude about it, being obnoxious about it. I just mean when the, when the subject comes up, you can very matter-of-factly say, I don't believe that's right. What you just said may be what you believe, but I don't believe that's true. And here's why. <laughs> and have an answer. The Bible calls all of us to be ready, instant, in season and out of season, to give a defense for what you believe. Do you know that that's going to take some and require some effort on your and my part? We're, we're going to have to do some homework, do some research into the things of God to back up what we believe. Right. Just in thinking about, quote unquote, and I'm going to put air quotes up here so you guys can see this, quote unquote, science of the day. Lord Jesus, they have redefined the definition of science. Science used to be provable and, and accepted by the community. For every person you can find science that will tell you that there's more than two genders, you can find scientists that believe in the word and actually can prove there are only two. Is everybody okay with this? I mean... That you, if, you, if you take it side by side, you got the world saying, no, we have science. We have, we have come to new revelations and new heights of things we have found. You got a whole other group of scientists that have the same degrees and letters by their name that say that's totally untrue. And the hypothesis you're making is based on data that's flawed and you're manipulating it. I'm just telling you the truth. So there is just as many on our side as there is on theirs. If we'll do a little homework and be able to, see some facts, it, it, it will help us to point people back to the truth. Because that's, that's the only answer for folks is Jesus. Amen. He's it. Amen. Amen. Be in, in season and out of season to give a defense for what you believe. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So there, we're going to be pressured, conformed, peer pressure, political correctness, all of these things. This is what Jesus was talking about. Narrow is the way. It's confined. It's a difficult it's a difficult space, it feels like, pressure. But he told us this was coming. Everybody that's righteous in Christ Jesus and following the Lord, you will suffer persecution for your faith. Just buckle up. It's going to happen. It's worth it in the end. It's worth it. It's worth it in the now. There are many that have turned to Jesus because of Christians that had a backbone to stand up for what is right. Because God's way, honestly, in all truth, in all fairness, God's way is the only way that makes any logical sense how we got here, how this world works, how things function. When we look, when we boil it down to the Bible definition of how things work, his way is the only way that makes sense. There is an intelligent being that created it all and set it in motion with DNA and the science that we have. The science that we have now points to intelligent design. Are you hearing me? It's the only way that makes sense. Everything else is just hypothesis and theory. Okay. Thank you, Lord. There will be pressure. They'll say you can't stand up for your beliefs. You can't believe that way. You can't believe Jesus is the only way. You have to be inclusive. There are many paths to heaven. Come on now. We know better. We know better. They say you can't do that. You can't believe, certainly can't believe in the definition of biblical marriage. That's faux pas. That's not culturally appropriate for the times. In every history, uh, in every civilization in history, they all went down the path we're going right now. There was a moral decline in their country, in their countries, in their nations, that 
ultimately led to their collapse. The thing that has sustained nations and brought civility into countries has been the gospel. It has been Christian morals and backbone because it had said you, you can't own another person. That's not right. That doesn't make any sense. You can't do that. We need to change that law. We need to have uh, monogamous relationships. One man and one woman, not multiples. It's better. It's better for kids. It's better for society. These are all Christian values that came into play that actually sustained and kept civilizations going for long periods of time. When that declined, those civilizations collapsed. The Aztecs, the Romans, I mean, there's dozens. Dozens. It was morality that was the fall. So the truth and the answer is what we believe. And if we really believe this, we'll be bold about what we believe in truth and in love because you can speak the truth in love. Amen? Amen? So I'm just trying to give us a little bit of backbone so that we have something in us when these subjects come up. We can say, man, I don't believe that. I, I mean, I respect your, your opinion and your desire to believe or your, your ability to believe what you want. We're in America. We're free will. God won't override you. But don't force what you believe on me and tell me that I'm uh, intolerant and a bigot because I don't believe how you believe. You don't believe how I believe. So then we're both bigots. I mean, come on now, let's be real about this. I mean, it's the pot calling the kettle black. You know what I mean? You know that phrase? They're both black. The pot can't call the kettle black. Hey, yeah. You know what I mean? No, never say, oh, now he's a racist. No, I'm not. I mean, this is just crazy, the rhetoric that's getting thrown around. We love people, don't we? God made all people. He started with one color of skin and we, we adapted into what we have now, but we all have the same blood, different types, but we all bleed red, don't we? God and Jesus died for everybody, didn't he? Thank you, Lord. So we're just trying to help people straighten out their thinking according to the word of God. Red, yellow, black, or white. We need to be thinking according to the word of God. That's it. Okay. I love you. You still love me? Thank you, Jesus. I'll take half. Good, good, good. They want us, they say we have to appreciate other religions and their beliefs. Not just appreciate, but, but say they're right. That they, yeah, you can get to heaven that way too. We got to celebrate diversity. We got to include everybody as long as we agree with them. Yes? No. <laughs> That's not what we do. We are, as a church, we will include everybody that wants to come and follow Jesus. But if we, you want to bring your idea of serving God into this house and you're not willing to be straightened out, we have a door for you. Because listen, this is about humbling ourselves as human beings and seeing what God said and yielding to him. That's it. And if we can't do so we got to get to a place where we're okay, humbly submitted to God and doing things his way, regardless of how we were taught or what we think. If it's not uh, in line with the word of God, we change. We change. Amen. They'll give us labels like, um, and ca- and be co- like, like being uh, outcast, right? We'll get talked about. We'll get unfriended. Lord, help us if we get unfriended. I mean, the guys that got martyred 2,000 years ago would be like, unfriended? Are you serious? <laughs> really? Okay. You could lose your job. It's possible. Because God can get you a better job. I'm not saying go in there and be so rude and obnoxious you lose your job. But if you're standing up for what is right and that costs you your job, God will get you a better job. Thank you, Lord. There are churches that have kicked people out because of their stand from a godly perspective. 
The guy in the pool of Bethesda, you remember him? He got healed. Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. It was a Sabbath day. God healed him from being paralyzed for 38 years. Got up and started walking with his bed. Guess who got on his case about it? The religious people. You can't carry your bed. What are you doing? He says, well, the guy that healed my legs told me to carry the bed, so I'm carrying the bed. I mean, you would too, right? Religious people. Come on now. We might get kicked out of church for doing what is right. Come on, you got to be okay with that. And that's not for you yet. I'm preaching to the choir. Y'all are here. This church, we're not kicking you out for doing what's right. I'm talking to the people watching online. <laughs> they might call you narrow-minded, bigoted, uneducated, racist, intolerant. We are not racist, bigoted, or intolerant. We will include everyone in this place that's willing to say yes to Jesus. Yeah. Are you hearing me? But if you want to say yes to the devil and call yourself a Christian, we're going to call you out and help you because you cannot afford to go to hell. There's only one trip and it's not return. Are you listening to me? That's the love of God, us telling people the truth. I don't want anybody to go to hell, even though there's a whole bandwagon on the way. We got to tell people the truth. Amen. We got to have a backbone to do that. The only person that we should be concerned about what they think is the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, people can call you stuff and will call you stuff. That doesn't mean it's true. Just because they call you names, that doesn't make it true. But they might label you things, and you got to be okay with that. You and I have to be okay with that because Jesus is pleased with us doing what's right. Calling truth, truth. Amen? Calling things out, calling a lie, a lie, and truth is truth. It's okay that we do that because we speak the truth in love. Amen. Billy Graham said this, our present world is so concerned about offending anyone and everyone with the exception of God. I mean, we're just so worried about other people. We forget, does God, does God call me plead? Is he pleased with me? Does God call me his son? Is God okay with how I'm acting and what I'm believing? If he's okay with it, I would suggest you're in good shape. Yeah? I mean, he's really the only one that matters. I mean, when we stand before him and give an account for a life, I mean, I'm really glad I'm in the line that gets in and not the one that doesn't, aren't you? Thank you, Jesus. He's helping us. Thank you, Lord. So let's dive in and talk a little bit about family, and we'll start with marriage. Is that okay? Turn over to Genesis chapter 2 real quick. Genesis chapter 2. We've got some time. Let's get to it. Thank you, Lord. Biblical marriage. Biblical marriage is a commitment. Biblical marriage is a covenant between you and your spouse, a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, biological, man and a woman. There's a covenant between you and your spouse and God. It's a covenant that God honors. It's a spectacular agreement. Thank you, Lord. And God is into covenants. He broke covenant and made covenant with Old Testament folks, and he made covenant with us through the blood of Jesus that we have been made right with him because Jesus died for us. That is a covenant between God and us as his sons and daughters in Christ. It's amazing. And he takes it extremely seriously. Same is true with the marriage covenant. He takes it very seriously. A covenant is a binding agreement between parties, each making an oath to fulfill their part in a contract or an agreement. Thank you, Lord. God takes getting married the marriage covenant, very seriously. So look at Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. It says this, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a a helper comparable to him. 
And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the, all the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. For Adam, and, but, for Adam, but for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So there's a couple things going on in this passage. One is, uh, Adam was not a caveman. Ugh. He was not a caveman. When God breathed life into Adam, Adam was an extremely intelligent being. God brought the animals of the whole earth to Adam so that Adam could name them. Now, if we follow evolution... We'd be calling them all weird names. Uh, 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 uh. What's that? That's an uh. I mean, now I realize Adam didn't speak English, right? So he did it in, in the language that it, that it started with. Very likely could have been Hebrew, right? But Adam was intelligent and informed enough, so full of God, that he could see an elephant and go, that looks like an elephant. God was like, good. That looks like a lion. Good. He named all these things. God was showing Adam by doing this that he was A, capable, right? But also that he could recognize his helper. That his helper, his companion, was not made out of the beasts of the field, out of the birds of the air. His helper, he would recognize. So he named all these creatures. I'm imagining this took quite a while. I mean, have you ever done an animal count on the planet? I mean, we're talking probably days and days and days and days, right? Lunch. Lunch. I need a break, right? I mean, just lots of time. And yet God showed him, none of these, they're not your companion. Thank you, Lord. Now, male and female, God created female from one of Adam's ribs, took a rib out of Adam, put him in a deep sleep, took a rib out of Adam, closed up the flesh, and created female. And in large part, Man and woman are similar, very much alike, actually, in large part, right? Head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, head, shoulders, right? I mean, organs and eyes and ears were very much alike and then different in just the right ways, amen? But there's a distinction. And the doctors of the 50s and the 60s, the doctors of the early, two, you know, early 2000s, zeros prior to Jesus, when the baby came out, they were right. It's a boy. How do you know? We can see. <laughs> this is not rocket science. God created them male and female. Male and female, he created them. There is only two. There's only two. And he, he designed this marriage to be between a man and a woman. Because we, we come together as one and we make each other better. Are you hearing me? Thank you, Lord. We're supposed to work together. So, well, let's read. Gen, uh, let's read 21. Go to 21 in the same chapter. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, took that rib out, closed up his flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman, and he brought her to man. And Adam said, now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he said, whoa, man. Because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. This is an interesting scripture because it, God designed this relationship, this connection, to be, be this togetherness, this oneness, and have no shame. Have no shame. Now listen, I'm going to broach some subjects that are a little uncomfortable, but you can handle it, right? Oh, yeah. This is church. We can handle this stuff. I need to say this stuff out loud. Believe it or not, I need to say this stuff out loud so you hear it from me. And it begins with marriages between a man and a woman. That's, it's the only way it works. That's the only way God designed it. It's the only way that's blessed. It's the only covenant that's sanctioned by God to work in the earth. It's the only one. It will never work any other way. It doesn't matter what you believe. The truth is the truth. Everybody okay? And so when we talk about this, um, we, we need to just delve in just briefly into the subject of you know, finding, finding that, that person, that one, right? The world use, uses soulmates. In my opinion, I don't believe in soulmates. I believe love is a choice. I believe we should be led by the Spirit of God to who we connect our wagon to, right? I mean, this is a life choice. But I believe God can fix and work in any marriage whether you married the quote-unquote wrong one or not. I mean, he's, he's, he's in the great business of reconciliation and restoration. Amen? So I believe your best, your best chance if you're married right now and things are tough, I, your best shot is to find a way to work it out with, with the one you married. That's your best go. Now, when you're single and you're looking for someone, I believe the world puts way too much emphasis. And when I say way, I mean like 90 or 100% emphasis on appearance and looks and attraction. That's the only way they're, they're moved around. All the other stuff doesn't matter as long as you're attracted. That's baloney. Everybody Okay. I, I believe there's a great sense of uh, maturity when it comes to, God, who do you want me to marry? Who, can, who is it that we would be, I would be compatible with, that I can grow with and build a family with and a life with that will honor you and we can do everything that you called us to do? That's a way better prayer. Amen. If you base all your decisions on attractiveness, you're going to have trouble in marriage, trouble in your friend group, trouble in the work group, trouble, you're going to have trouble everywhere. You're going to miss out on opportunities for a lot of good people when you're just quote unquote, ah. everybody okay? I have three daughters. I am a hundred percent for arranged marriages. I mean, I'm all in telling you right now. Yeah. Daughter's over there going, no, no. Mom's raising her hand. Yeah. Quit it, mom. Quit it. I'm telling you right now. I mean, this has worked for thousands of years. There is no reason why we cannot institute this once again. But there's something, there's a reason why this worked so well. It works in, in cultures where, where the parents of their children are both interested, very much invested in the, the happiness and fulfillment of their children. Because that you would not pick a poor spouse for someone that you didn't care, you know what I mean? That you, that you care about. You wouldn't pick a bad spouse for, for your child who you care about. Now, don't get me wrong. There are arranged marriages that are way off the rails. They're the ones you're thinking of right now that like, wait a minute, I've heard about this. This is right. They're, they're not really thinking about the care and concern of their child. I'm talking about in Bible times when you sent your most trusted servant to go find a wife for your son. Son's like, uh, do I get a vote? No, you do not. When she shows up, she's it. God, please. Right? I mean, your prayer life goes up. There's something to be said about 
trusting God for the one. Amen. So that's for this, that part's for the single folks. This is, all, this is another part for the single folks, right? Is dating, you realize dating, the common term for it right now, is not a biblical concept. Dating in, in our culture right now, dating is practice for divorce. Because you get with somebody and you find out you like them and you probably go way too far than you wanted and emotionally and all of it, right? And then you're like, ah, it's not working out. I'll try somebody else. I mean, it's just divorce practice. Are you hearing me? This is going over so big. It went over just as big in first service too. You're like, what is he saying? I'm saying culturally we've made some adaptations that aren't biblical. And we need to make some adjustments in, our, in the way we parent our kids and how we're going to do this so that they can truly go find and go after the godly one, a godly mate. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm not against, listen to, overall, in, in just how, how dating works, I'm against. Overall, though, I think there's some things in dating that are very helpful if done correctly with boundaries. I don't think teenagers and young adults who aren't ready to get married even close should be alone with the opposite sex in a dating situation ever. It's got like seven eye rolls from like all the teenagers. <laughs> it's, it's, it's problematic. I mean, the pregnancy rates are way up. Why? Because there's no boundaries. You get yourself in trouble real quick. I mean, come on, y'all. I'm looking at y'all. I know y'all got yourself in trouble before you got married a couple times. I mean, Cody and I, we, we made it to the finish line with, and we, we saved ourselves for marriage, but we made some mistakes along the way that we were not happy with ourselves, right? And there's, there's, some, there's some guilt and shame that comes with that kind of stuff. And you're like, dang it, Cletus, why did I do that? Do you know what I mean? Am I, can I just be real for two and a half seconds? Yes. I mean, a couple of you are like, oh, no, I never do that. Mm-mm. Okay. Listen, it's important that we put good stuff into our kids so they make good decisions. And we got to be honest with them in some cases so that they do make good decisions. You do not have to make your own mistakes. You can learn from somebody else. But if we'll help them and encourage them. Now listen, kids, teenagers, young adults, if you're, if you're even thinking about dating somebody or, or getting to know somebody better, you need to bring them around your family or around trusted people that you know so they can get a good look at this boy, a good look at this girl, amen? They will see things you don't see. And that's how it used to be for thousands of years. Your parents could say, you know, he's a nice guy, but I don't think he's the one for you. And they would just know by intuition, by the Holy Spirit, mm, nice guy, but I don't think he's for you. That's a great, th- there could be problems in your future that could be completely avoided if you will listen to people around you that love you. I'm just encouraging you to do, do smarter, be smarter than the culture. The culture's training, dating is training for divorce. Don't like them, start over. There's actually a term called starter marriages. Have you guys heard this term? A starter marriage is when you're young, you get married and you just try it out so you can work out all the kinks and then you separate and then you go find the real one. And they think this is brilliant. What in the wide world of sports is going on around here? I mean, they think this is smart. It's what dating's producing. So hear me now. I believe we should get to know people if you're gonna marry them. But we should do it in the right context in the right settings. Right? In no way can you justify getting to know your spouse in the backseat of a car by yourselves. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Lord. 
Now ah, there's more to say there. Okay. <laughs> so they are. Here's Adam and Eve. They're both naked and they're not ashamed. Why? Because it's a God covenant relationship. The, mar- the marriage covenant is awesome. There's no shame. There's no shame in the game. Amen? But there's guilt and shame otherwise. I'm just encouraging you to make good choices. Hold on until you get married. And I'll say this. We, we've even done some marriage, in, marriage counseling and stuff as well. And, you know, all different situations, people um, uh, living together or not, whatever, just trying to do the right thing and just encouraging people. Listen, even if you're living together, whether it's financial reasons or you didn't know the Lord and you just got saved and now you want to get married, make it right. We tell, we tell them, hey, dude, you're on the couch. Separate. The, honor God, at least for this window of time before you get married, put God first. I'm encouraging all y'all that are single, put God first. Right. Honor that time of just you and him. And then when, you, when God joins you in marriage, that covenant, then it's okay. Yep, that's how it went over last service to you. <laughs> the origin of God's way of marriage is, is that we're not ashamed because shame will, will hinder and, and hurt longevity in marriage. When you keep things secret or hidden and you, and you don't get things out, you don't take care of things, you don't repent, you don't turn, it, it can hurt your relationships. And I'm telling you, God wants you to have a good relationship with your spouse. Yeah, yeah, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So it's important that we do that. It, what we found, Cody and I, and probably many of you, you'll probably this will resonate with you when I say it, is that the, the relationships that make it long-term with longevity, the, the relationships that seem to overcome hurdles and obstacles and, and pitfalls and things, you know, things that come up, circumstances, those relationships that make it are, are two people that have grown to be personally mature and spiritually mature, meaning that you're willing as an individual to humble yourself and say, I don't have it all figured out and, and I'm okay with being wrong and fixing it apologizing, making it right. You, you have a skill set and you've learned how to be at fault and then fix it. I mean, that's, that's a skill set that you have to have if you're going to be married. <laughs> Fellas, you got to figure it out because we're not right all the time. Ladies, you're not right all the time. We got to get to a place where we say, no, I missed it. I was too hard there. I was too bullheaded there. I should, have, I should have backed off. I should have exercised some patience. I, I said something I shouldn't have said. Come on, we have to be able to do that. If you want to have a long-lasting relationship, you've got to come to a place where you are personally mature and spiritually mature, where you can recognize, I'm not right all the time. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Those couples that take that skill and take personal responsibility for their own actions, their own words, they're the ones that seem to make it. They're the ones. <clears throat> Even talk about the modern family. The, just the idea of the modern family is being changed in our culture. I'm suggesting we stay with old-fashioned rules of family. Yes. Husband, wife, kids. Come on now. Yeah. Now, we're going we're gonna to dive into this more uh, next week and then go into some other family and life issues, which I think will be helpful for you because the word, the word answers a lot of questions for us. I mean, all questions that can be found in the word. Um, but it's important that we recognize <clears throat> that we are going to have to be old-fashioned in some ways. We're going to have to understand God's way and doing it His way is the right way. And the whole idea that, that Christians in general or, or people that believe in the Bible need to make concessions to the Word because it's not culturally appropriate, it, it, it 
screams to me that if we're going to change something in the word, that God didn't get it right the first time. And that God in the process has now learned something from us. And now he's going to make a correction in his word that we can now make culturally appropriate. And he's never going to do it. God's not learning anything. He knows everything. And when he wrote it down the first time, he saw the end from the beginning and he knew exactly what he was saying when he said it. Are you hearing me? There's no 2.0 version of God. He's just perfect. So if we want to do it our way, he'll let us, but it doesn't turn out good. If we'll do it his way, it turns out good. Because when we have covenant in a marriage relationship between a man and a woman, we're also committing before God to honor that. We have his stamp of approval on our lives. And now things can happen. Prayers get answered. Things just accelerate when we're doing it God's way. Are you hearing me? Thank you, Lord. It's important that we recognize that because he's faithful to us, isn't he? All the time. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one more piece. We got a couple more minutes. One more piece. Let me jump back to just the idea of relationships where people take personal responsibility. They, that we're personally mature and we're growing spiritually in our relationships. <clears throat> Can I tell you a phrase that I just absolutely detest? This is the phrase. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You've heard that before? I hate that phrase. I hate it. You want to know why? Because mama is hard to deal with. And if she's grumpy, ain't nobody going to be happy in this house. Tell mama's happy. Are you hearing me? I mean, this is not a place you want to be. This is not a house you want to live in. Boy, it got quiet like that in first service too. I, listen, we got to be grown up enough to handle our business when we're unhappy and not make everybody else miserable around us. Come on now. It's, it's most of the time when we're unhappy, it really isn't about the other people. It's about how we're handling the other people, what we're saying about that situation, how we're dealing with it. Listen to me. Patience must, can have its perfect work in us if we'll let it work. And I'm telling you, some of you got to work more patience than others because of your kids. Jesus, help us. But you still need patience. Amen. And there's something about that phrase that just, just turns on the inside of me because it, it translates across the board. Come on, your, your, your two-year-old should not dictate the course of your family life. Your husband's mood should not dictate the course of your family's life. Your teenager's mood should not dictate the, cor- dictate the course of your family's life. People need to learn how to buck up, and that means two-year-olds too. And you got a whole bunch of people in the world that are 35-year-olds with 12-year-olds inside just stomping their feet when they don't get what they want, having a bad attitude. Grow up. Come on now. Not everything in life goes your way. You got to find contentment in what happens in life. And if you let people dictate your happiness, holy moly, you're going to have a rough one. Your happiness doesn't come from people and how they treat you. They come from the Lord. Your happiness, your joy, let's use the right term, Bible term. Your joy comes from the Lord. And then it becomes your strength. So as parents and as people, we have to learn to self-regulate ourselves. That if we're unhappy, we need to fix that. Because that's not a godly attribute anyway. Okay, thank you, Jesus. He's helping us. There's a, there's a way to do it God's way, and there's a way to do it man's way. God's way works. It works every time, and it's brilliant. I mean, it's just so successful. I've seen marriages turn around, whole family situations turn around from, from one of the people in the family deciding, I'm God, this is the very atmosphere of their home. And he began to tweak and change 
and attitudes changed and ideas changed and thoughts changed and it just got better. It just gets better because it's God's way. Amen? Now, I promise you, on the way home today, you will be tested in this. This is how it works. Your kid, your spouse, the driver in front of you will test your patience after this message. And you have an opportunity to go, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to do this God's way or not? Amen? I, I suggest God's way. It's the best. He's helping us so we can get his view, his thoughts on what family's supposed to look like. Everybody okay? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so I said some hard things. I did. I said some hard things. I'm not totally against uh, the whole idea of dating as far as getting to know somebody. How we do, do dating in our culture is troublesome, right? We need to fix that. And, and it starts with us as parents fixing in our kids, right? And, and people around us that are willing to hear from us. It starts with you singles that are willing to set boundaries. I'm telling you, setting boundaries in a relationship will tell you who you're dating, because if they don't want to adhere to your boundary, godly boundaries, that might not be somebody you want to follow anyway. It, it's real telling when they're pushing you, pushing you, pressuring you to do things you don't want to do. That's not right. Okay, thank you. It'll help you in every area. It'll help you. You find out exactly who you're dealing with. Okay, thank you, Jesus. So as we move forward in the next few weeks and we, and we go more into family, we can talk about uh, some tools as married folks we can utilize together, biblical, to... to Really, do things God's way. It'll help you. I'm encouraging you to be here. I think God's leading us in this direction on purpose, really for the onslaught of the, le- of the, of the world, right? I, when I say the left, I mean like the far left. The left is, they're pushing us to, to a godless society, right? <clears throat> we, we, can't, we can't stand for that. We have to press on to what God has for us. But I'll say this, don't let the world push us in any direction. We're gonna stay with God. We're gonna do things his way, and it turns out good for us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Is that all you want to say about that? Anything else? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com slash connect, and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us and remember, Jesus is coming soon.